Here we go. Hey, people. Sisters, brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. Greetings, all. My name is Tony Schwa, and this is the Schwadcast. I am super excited uh, to get this project started. Uh, the idea is simple. There are so many talented individuals uh, I've had a chance to get to work with and know on a personal level, and I would be remiss if I didn't share some of these relationships with you. Uh, a lot of intriguing, interesting cats. Some of them you know, some you may not. Um, all have great backstories, all have loads of insight that I'd like to hopefully get them to share with me and in turn I will share with you. Um, so let's get this thing rolling. I recently had the opportunity to make a little trip to the cliff, uh, that's Oak Cliff, South Dallas for those outside the Dallas-Fort Worth area uh, to meet up with my first guest. He is uh, someone that if you live in the Dallas area, you are probably familiar with. You have probably rocked with him at least one or two times, if not every week uh, in the past 10, 15 or so years. He is the at least five time winner of the Dallas Observer's Best DJ Award. If you're old enough to remember, you'll know him as one of the founding members of the party, uh, Hands Up. He's had several successful weeklies, including Big Bang, Top Notch, uh, currently Keep On Dancing with DJ Blake Ward, Body Rock with Leon Bridges. His grown and sexy satin sheets, mixes, and parties are legendary. I mean, this fool has even played Dirk Nowitzki's wedding and birthday party. So yeah, without further ado, here is my conversation with Will Roten, AKA DJ Sober on the Schwadcast. First and foremost, I guess I want to say thank you, man, for being my first guest. I really appreciate it. We're homies. We've been homies for a long time. Uh, you've always been a big supporter of me, and uh, I love you, brother, so thank you Dude, for doing thank this. thank you. Thanks for having me and <clears throat> reaching out and like, thinking of me for being the first guest. And likewise, like I always respected you as a DJ, one of my favorite DJs in the city by far, Cool Out Mondays. If you guys don't remember or know, that's a, you know... A legendary night for for the Dallas community. Um, Schwa was doing that for years. We packed out on a Monday night. The old cavern, R.I.P. You know, R.I.P. Funk, cavern. boogie, disco, feel good music. But it's back, y'all. It's back on <laughs> Sunday night. Sunday so. night's double wide. Okay, enough about me. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and put my notes down. Uh, again, inaugural interview. So we're working out kinks. But man, uh, thank you for being here. So let's get into it. People that know you know that you're a hard worker you take this game very seriously. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to get into, especially nowadays. I think when, when we were coming up, because you and I are the same age, yeah. when we were coming up, it took a lot, I feel like, to get into it. So there was a huge investment of time, right? Energy, it financially, you had to buy all this equipment, this stuff. And right now we're, we're in the den we are in the sober cave where we've got equipment around us, man. And, and this stuff, you know, it, the further you want to take it, it's not cheap. So you obviously have committed to this life. You're about, you're about it. So tell me a little bit about the beginning. Your parents, you know, usually we're influenced by what our parents listen to. Right, right. I don't know that your parents were listening to boogie and disco and old school hip hop. Uh, Definitely not. Right. Um, so go into that a little bit, buddy. Yeah. So like you said, I feel like a lot of people got that influence, that original spark or you know 
um, interest in music through their parents' music, whether they're playing that on Sunday afternoons while cleaning the house or making breakfast or whatever. That wasn't really the case. My parents always and forever listened to country music. So as a kid coming up and getting into things like skateboarding, that was like the last thing that I wanted to listen to or be a part of. And also, too, when you're a kid, as you know now, like, it's it's not really that cool to be into what your parents are into. Sure. Sometimes it is, like in yeah. retrospect, but yeah. at that point in time, you know, you want to you're you don't want to listen to what your parents do. You want to do the opposite. So, I guess, man, I was kind of influenced by everything around me. My, uh, you know, my environment, and then other people in my life. I had two older cousins. Um, one of them skateboarded. He was really good. He was in punk rock bands. Like he skated sure. vert. His older brother uh, was into more like college rock at the time. So like a lot of bands like the Smiths and the church and like, yeah. you know, thing, things more along those lines that he would turn me on to. Like, so I would take from both of them, I would take the punk rock from, you know, my cousin Reagan that was younger and that not younger than me. They were both older, but, uh, and then the older one, I just kind of like gathered from them. And then <clears throat> school, as far as like, elementary school i feel like uh man the first time i ever heard hip-hop i just was i knew it was something different and i knew uh there was something about it that that had this like these this rebellion you know or just like it it, was bad yeah i mean it wasn't bad it was good but it was was, good it it was the good bad it was like a an intriguing bad right like it was different for you yeah, it was. And what age? What age was this? You said school, but like, what I mean, age? I'd say fourth or fifth grade, probably. Yeah. I have a couple of like standout memories as far as that goes, or things that just really stuck with me. One, I went to a buddy's house, like after school, hung out, and uh, we were jumping on his trampoline. He had a boombox, like a dual cassette boombox, and he played Beastie Boys' "License to Ill." Done. And exactly. I was like, <clears throat> we're, you know, jumping the trampoline, you have, you know, the energy's flowing, whatever, that's playing. And I'm like, just their their whole attitude, the, the, the whole, like everything they brought to the table, I just knew right from that, that, that point. Raw. I, I like, wanted to do Brass me. Monkey for my fourth grade uh, talent show, but my friends didn't want to do it, so we did Girls. Nice. <laughs> In a fourth grade talent show, we were doing the song Girls. That's great. Incredible, yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> so like, so I, I was super into it. He dubbed me a copy like that day on the spot on the dual cassette deck, gave it to me, and that pretty much changed my life. I mean, without, I mean, straight up like i i would listen to it non-stop you know i was already skating so this kind of embodied that same yeah. uh the same feel of skateboarding and, and like punk, just kind of going boys. against yeah, yeah they, they started rock, out yeah. as a punk group yes. like they did you know they were they were always um pioneers and they were always uh influencers you know like they were yeah. they were on the always onto the next thing or just like you know they had their hands in so many things from like punk rock fun- they had a funk group or mm-hmm. you know they did an oh, instrumental yeah. album they had a record label they had a clothing line they were just always somebody i looked up to cuz i i looked at them as like this is something that i could do if if they do it you know what i mean and like, honestly wow. to be real for a second they were white dudes and they were in the hip hop like i remember just like those guys crushing it 
and Russell Simmons brought him in because of that. And I feel like back in the day when we were kids, you know, there wasn't a lot of like white dudes in hip hop, right? Like, do you feel that? I mean, they like were coming up, like I feel for, like for you to emulate, right? Like until later on, but when you were a kid, like the Beastie Boys were just such a powerhouse in in the hip hop. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think when I heard them, I don't even know if that registered. If that even registered. It was just yeah. like, yo, this is something that has the the everything that I'm hearing is something that I want to be a part of. Yeah. But I think maybe later on, there's there is some sublim like some yeah. things there, like when you know check your head came out or whatever just the way that they dressed or whatever wasn't too over the top it was something like kind of scaled down but stylish and things that i related to i'm like oh you know like i'm not gonna walk around like wearing a dookie gold rope or like you know raiders gear head to toe but like these dudes this is something that speaks to me or whatever um so yeah man 100 percent hip-hop man yeah like that that moment stood out to me another thing was a another thing that i have a, a memory of is in elementary school uh, at like, I think it was like after lunch, it was like recess or whatever. I just remember being in the cafeteria and I guess in, in those days, like you could just do wild stuff, but like some girls had a boom box, another boom box story. So they had a boom box in the cafeteria, like up on the, you know, like on the table and they were playing salt and peppers pushing. And, uh, man, they were, they were dancing to it. Was loud, caught my attention, looked over. Yeah. They were like, you know, dancing, I guess you say provocatively to it. They were pushing it. So, like, this is around the time, same thing, fifth grade. Like, they I kind of know, like, I'm like kind of familiar with what sex is about, but I don't fully know how it all works. But I think I do. I'm seeing this happening. I'm seeing these dance moves. I'm like, is that what the song's talking about? Is that what they're, you know, is that what they're emulating? What's going on? Um, that's what we're talking about, but it's something that like, I was like, yo, this is, this is what's up. Like, I need more of this in my life as well. You know, like I was drawn to that. And so that, that's another, you know, memory that like stuck with me. And then just starting to see, you know, in middle school is when NWA popped off. I mentioned the Raiders and Kings gear or whatever, but everyone was doing that. Everyone had the starter jackets like that that wave just kind of took over. So the fashion as well, like was something that, that I noticed and that like stood out to me. I'm like, yo, this is, this is dope. I was still skateboarding. So it was like, I, I just was the same thing with, I feel like, especially again, throwing back to those days, like it was wide open. It was really, there was a lot of influences on skateboarders. And I think a lot of kids I know that came up with that in that era, like were exposed to a lot of different stuff. and And that's a good thing. Because I feel like, you know, they were really open to a lot of different, like, skate videos, right? Soundtracks yeah. of skate videos have, oh, like, man. everything from metal to hip-hop to indie stuff to, like, yeah. old 60s music. So, like, that's a really good... I feel like those videos are just as important as old, like, DJ mixtapes. Those yeah. broke records. Like, those turn people on to stuff. Like, oh, now everyone's, like, looking for Herbie Hancock headhunters because it's so, so, so-and-so skated to it in their yeah, part or whatever. Right. So, yeah, like, those are so important. People were turned on to stuff like Simon Day and, like, uh, aside from that, like, you know, 90s hip-hop or whatever. But I guess what I, what I was saying is, like, I was still skating so even fashion wise like I, I might be wearing Jordans with like some Vision Streetwear shorts and sure. then like a skate shirt and then like a starter hat like mm-hmm. I just like I've always kind of done that like I've always been me like I'm like okay I skate but I'm into hip hop let me just kind of mix these things together and 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 do it in a way where I feel comfortable so Make I have like I have funny photos yeah where I'm wearing like definitely like 
<clears throat> Jordan fours with like you know Vision Streetwear stuff. Trying to dial it in, trying to get it yeah, right. Yeah, it's all. It all came <laughs> back to that though. At the same time, you know, my cousins are influencing me on like the punk rock, the rock tip around me at school. Like my school, middle school through high school, like both schools were predominantly black. So like I was exposed to a lot of hip hop. R&B stuff at like while being at school and in middle school like the only kind of little group of kids who skated were a group of like Vietnamese and Laos kids so like I would hang out with them and skate and they were all into stuff like synth pop and freestyle so they were into stuff like Pet Shop Boys, OMD, New Order, Depeche Mode and they were also into freestyle, which they call, like, I think maybe in the South, people called it Latin hip hop in those days. Because oh. they were like, do you like Latin hip hop? So they were like turning me on to like Debbie Deb, Lil Susie, Johnny O, yes. anything kind of electronic in a sense. Like, I I get, like, I got that from, from all my Asian friends that I skated with. from them going to school like hearing nwa too short like whatever was popular at those times and then like watching video shows like there was a show called pump it up with d barnes and they would show videos like tribe and leaders of the new school main source and stuff that like i didn't i wasn't exposed to here in the south and i would see stuff that was popular like east coast stuff and like in Texas, a lot of people just didn't really listen to East Coast rap. Not unless you were like really, really a hip hop head, but like what was popular at that time was more West Coast gangster stuff and then like Ghetto Boys when they came out or whatever. So I would like watch those shows and see stuff like Black Sheep and all the Native Tongue and all that stuff. And I was like, yo, this stuff's amazing. <laughs> buying those tapes at the same time that I was like buying all the other stuff around me, you mm-hmm. know? So these are your influences. So what? turned you towards DJing was it just looking because I guess back in the day just about every hip hop group had a DJ and dancers right but the DJ has become more prominent because it used to be the DJ played the back the role right it almost seems even though originally the MC supported the DJ and was just there to hype up the DJ it kind of took a it flip-flopped in the 80s so who really maybe influenced you but actually who first what first turned you on to like DJing period so I think the first time I ever saw a DJ in person was what did it for me. I went to a house party. It was actually at some kid's house that went to my school and they had a half pipe in their backyard. And they had a house party. And there was a DJ there, 1200s, records, speakers, the whole thing. And it was Yu Chen. He's a DJ, plays house music. He still lives in Fort Worth, but he was playing. And I just stood there and I was glued to what he was doing the whole night. I just watched watched him. there as close as I could get watch what he was doing because all I had seen 
before that is turntables and everything on a rap video, like sure. maybe Black Sheep or something. But right. I was like, oh my God, that's it. It's right there. Like at arm's reach, I could see these things. And like you said, like in those days, you had to put a lot into it. It wasn't readily available. So if someone had that, that was that was a big deal. And they spent a lot of money and time buying that equipment and records. So I watched him throughout the night. And then when the party was over, I was still there. And I was the annoying kid that had a million questions like, oh, how does this work? And whatever. I mean, I even think I helped him carry the stuff to the car because I wanted to pick it up and feel like the. I wanted to feel this tangible yeah, stuff like, oh, my God, real. I have my hands on an actual DJ turntable, like this is amazing. So it like, seems so. Maybe it, it's just out of out of arm's reach, right? Like when you're seeing it on TV, it just seems so fantastical. But when you're there, because it's the same thing for me. I remember going to someone's house who had turntables and just being like, "That's all I can think about." Yeah, as I can't believe this fool has this, you know, equipment. It's like Ye- a yeah, it's definitely like a fantasy world. Right. It's like a <clears throat> something that I'd never seen. So, so did he? Was he open to that? Was he cool with you helping him out and stuff? Yeah, like he that? actually eventually taught me how to mix, how to beat match and mix and everything. Oh. But like when I saw that, something clicked in my head, and I was like, I have to buy turntables. Like I have to own turntables. I have to learn how to DJ. And uh, you know, it was never to do. Like it's never. I never had the thought that I'd be doing what I'm doing now. It was more just like I wanted to do this for myself, learn it. It'd be a hobby or whatever, do in my bedroom, which is what I did for years. But I guess... Um, Were parents supportive? Because that's, again, parents, it's a big investment for a kid. And that's something that's like buying a violin for your kid, essentially, and being like, you're going to do this if this... And it's not a violin, it's turntable. So it's probably taken less seriously by by your parents, back in the day, especially. Right. Well, I saved my money up and bought, you know, and like eventually bought turntables. I feel like my parents, like when it came to that or skateboarding or what I was into, they didn't like discourage me but they didn't fully like understand any of it so they weren't like actively like oh let's take you to the skate park let's do these things because i wasn't i wasn't into the things that they wanted i kind of think they wanted me to be into they never like dogged me out yeah it's normal normal parents don't do that you're not buying turntables you're not wasting your money on that or whatever they just kind of like let me be yeah you know what i mean but uh yeah so i i (laughs) I have a funny story about that. When I saw the turntables, I knew they were expensive. I knew I did a little research or whatever. Around that time, I feel like CDs had were taking over. And in my mind, the only thing I could think of is like getting a hold of a set of turntables was like somebody who had used ones they weren't using anymore. So I thought of this whole like little scheme to like call all the skating rinks in the in the yellow pages and be like, hey, like um, I'm calling to see if you guys had any extra like old turntables laying around because a lot of the DJs like DJs yes. in that world were moving to CDs because they weren't Fizzed really out. mixing they were just playing songs and be like hey next song reverse right. skate couples only whatever so I was like let let me call and see if like if anybody has any and I can maybe come up you know so I was calling Genius. I was calling <laughs> all of them and like people would actually put me on hold and be like let me see what we got in the back they were never 1200s which was what I was looking for sure. but. You know, it was a great idea. Did you know you were looking for twelve hundred at the yeah, time? Yeah, I knew. Okay. I like, I did. I knew what was, you know, like I was, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. This is gonna, this is gonna be the jackpot. This is the one. This is it. And uh, I even think I called a few bowling alleys because they used to have DJs at bowling alleys. Yeah. Same thing. Like I came close, but like the model number was off oh. by a few numbers. You know, they're like, this is a whatever. Yeah. So yeah, yeah that didn't happen. Um, I was hanging at a club called the Crossing in Fort Worth, and it switched owners, and the owner who bought it had an extra set 
or I bought the set that was at the club already, but I bought this, it was a huge multi-channel like pyramid mixer, two 1200s, 1200s were beat down. Like they look like they fell <laughs> off a moving vehicle. They were, they were busted, but they worked fine. But Those you were ones, happy. You yeah, were happy. Yeah, yeah, I was so stoked. Right. Yeah. I think I paid like 500 for the whole setup, but Amazing. like, I, I mean, I had those for years just practice in my bedroom, but back to you, Chen, I remember going to his house in Everman and he had, he was at his parents' house or whatever, had a bunch of records and everything. And I remember him teaching me how to beat mix, how to beat match and like blend. He was really good. He was like a smooth DJ. And I also remember, you know, he, his parents owned this, uh, like this whole like shopping strip. So they had like a convenience store and like a pizza spot and all this. But I remember being in there with him and him talking about different DJs in Dallas and like hip hop DJs or whatever. I remember him talking about programming and that's something I didn't know anything about. He's like, oh man, so-and-so their programming is so good. Right. It's like spot on or whatever. And like, that was all foreign. A lot of know, people don't even think about, a lot of people don't think about that period. No, not, but like when, when it comes to it, And it's so it, important. For, it, it, it's, yeah. It's so important as a DJ to think beyond just your basic taking one song into the other. There's so many elements that go into it. Yeah. And that's, you, it's honestly invaluable that you had Yu-Chan. Shout out Yu-Chan. Yeah. Uh, you know, because I don't think I had that. I would study. I would do the same thing you did. I would go and train spot. I would go to clubs. I remember watching Mark Farina. I would study, just sit there watching his hands. So that's it, that's a pretty great resource. So like, yeah, man, like him telling me that made me aware because before that I was just practicing matching two beats in my bedroom and that kind of changed my whole view and perspective on like how things needed to be done yeah I also was buying house records first that's what he played I was going to a lot of parties like underground warehouse parties raves in Dallas but I was listening to hip-hop I was hanging out with a bunch of house DJs, hearing house mixes, listening and recording Edge Club on on you know my stereo at home but Something one day like clicked with me. I'm like, man, like I have all this. I love this music, but I think I need to, I need to buy hip hop records. Like I need to spin hip hop. This is something like, not to like choose one over the other, but back then it was like, like you said, if things were expensive, I couldn't buy everything. Right. And I remember my first trip to buy some hip hop records, and I came home, and I was pretty discouraged because I bought like doubles of like Biggie, One More Chance. First things first, I pop freaks all the honeys, dummies, playboy bunnies, those wanting money, those the ones I like, cause they don't get nothing but penetration, unless it smells like sanitation, garbage, I turn like doorknobs, heart throb never, black I bought a couple other things, and then I got home, and they were all different BPMs, I was used to like 120, 125, and then I got home, and I'm like, I have all, I have five hip-hop records, maybe four, None of them go together. I can't mix. And so I realized at that point, like I have to have way more. I have to have way more crates to rock a party when it comes to hip hop. My first bit of advice for any DJ is get music, get your music in order before you get anything else. Get your content because once you get your equipment, that happened to me. I had a handful of records. I feel like I had the equipment in front of me, and I had I had to compile stuff that went together. Again, house music goes together. Everything else, not so easy. Um, but at what point did you realize like, all right, this is a hobby. This is what I want to do, right? Like I'm, you know, I'm playing this. I'm starting to get the hang of it, the programming, the mixing, like you realize you have talent. Was there a point where you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do for money. Like rather than a hobby, because you could sit in your bedroom all day, but at some point you start realizing that 
you know, either this is going to be something substantial or I'm just going to have to, you know, have it take the back seat. Right, right. Um, well, I think I practiced in my bedroom for several years before I did anything like DJ it out. I played, it a, played a gig. I played a house party and like that was the first thing that like my name was on a flyer. <clears throat> That's actually how I came up with my DJ name. Like not a lot of people know that. So I was like writing graffiti before I was DJing around the same time, like my interest in both like happened and somebody had booked me to play a house party and they called me on the phone and they were like, yo, we're making the flyer for the party. What's your DJ name? We're like, I'm like, yo, I don't have one. Like I just DJ in my bedroom. I didn't do this to like, you know, for, with that in mind. Will Roten. Right. So this is before email, text, whatever. They needed to know right then and there because they were about to make the flyer, go to Kinko's, make copies. So they put me on the spot. So I didn't really know what to say. I'm like, yo, I don't know. And they're like, well, you got to come up with something. So I just was like, I guess sober, like, because that's what I wrote graffiti wise. Oh, incredible. People were calling my parents' house that I'd meet at raves and parties, be like, is sober there? Like, that's what people knew me as, even as at 16. So I was like, I guess sober, put DJ sober. And then like, yeah, so I never had a name change. It kind of like, that's. That's you. That's how it happened. And yes, stuck. I'm stoked with the name I chose just because I ch- I was given it like I was given that name for graffiti because they were like, "Oh, you don't drink, you don't do drugs or whatever." Cuz I was kind of thrown in this lifestyle yeah. at 16 sure. where everyone around me was doing wild shit, you know what I mean? Like they were yeah. you know, I was seeing people snort coke in the car with me at 16, all these things that turned me off of it even more. Yeah. And then back to the getting your music in order, I was buying records instead of spending money on alcohol and drugs and like people yeah. would be like yo how how do you have all this stuff and i'm like yo i just spent all my money on 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 records but uh yeah to your to your other question about when did it click yeah the turning did... point man because we all have i think we all any creative has that point where you got to like they say shit or get off the pot and you got to say am i going to take this seriously am i going to take it to the next level um yeah um <clears throat> interesting enough it was years later like over a decade later that I decided that that's what I was going to do. I DJed all through those years. I collected records. I played a party here and there. Never took it that seriously. In 2006, I quit a corporate job. I worked for Red Bull, like doing, um, I remember that. Yeah. I do remember that. Doing marketing for them. And I was, I was unhappy where I was at. I just felt like I was being drained i was just like this is not what i want to do you know and around that time nature had moved back to dallas he used to live in denton i'd go to his parties we were homies dj together back then he moved to puerto rico moved to new york moved back to dallas he started the party just the fucking party just at rubber gloves in denton select but that was going on the party was going on with nature uh when was that what years because i when i moved here i moved here in 2005 and as far as the scene goes, I remember the party. That's when the party started I mean, jumping off in Dallas. I he had like. to have started it on his own, like late 2005, 2006 is when we all came together and it started. It could have been earlier that year. I don't really know what what month, but he was doing his own thing at Rubber Gloves. Select was kind of going out there, hanging out, learning about Serato because Nature was using Serato as like one of the first people, like the first generation. Shout out Select, so, yeah, and, and Nature, what up? and Nature, shout out Nature, man, yeah. So, PR. so they were doing that. I kind of had like gone out there one time, like 
I didn't really know Select back in the day, but I knew I'd see him around and stuff. So we like reconnected. Nature and I reconnected. I was on the same vibe musically as far as like what I was listening to and like just kind of tired of just one thing. Mm -hmm. So Nature was was already combining like a lot of different uh, genres and playing just whatever he wanted to play, you know, whether that's reggae or, you know, new Jack swing, nineties, R and B new, like dip set stuff when that was hot, yep. like Southern rap, you know, uh, Baltimore club. put me on to all of that to, Same. to be more and all that stuff Same. so like i was like yo this is cool but i was i was like listening to some things like along the same lines and like the last few times i dj'd on my own um i was i was still playing records but i was bringing all kinds of different stuff whether that be like you know a little bit of hip-hop i was buying some like newer southern stuff like some swisher house mm-hmm. i'd be playing stuff like new shoes and candy rain and all this stuff so i was like yo i really like what this dude's doing because he's he's you know for lack of words it's like the you know kind of when open format took off and like people were just like yo before that it was in dallas either a house night or you know something specific a drum and bass night or whatever or like a hip-hop night or like you know right whatever so i saw that and i was like yo this is dope i like this this I think that where, was the big draw for everybody. Yeah, this is what headspace I'm in. Select kind of was already, you know, working with nature, like learning Serato. Bring, you know, I think he were was, you using Serato back then? Well, not until I met up with those guys. Okay, I was still buying records. You were buying records because like that. that was around uh, 2005. I think I booked Clever to play Zubar, and him and I played together. And he was still playing vinyl then. And I remember him bringing vinyl and the same thing. He was playing all types of stuff. Like he was playing like some new Atlanta rap then, like, you know, classics, whatever. And I remember playing that party and bringing like all kinds of stuff as well, like to Zubar. Everything from like Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam to like some newer records I was, you know, was buying. But it was just party rocking. We were just like having fun. And so then when I met with Select and Nature, started like learning about serato like i think i got an sl1 box and like started messing around with it but i think one day i just was like fed up with work and i was just like yo this is like this is uh, i'm done like i don't want to do this anymore and i had tried to meet with the director of marketing like five times to talk about like what i wanted to do with red bull like i wanted to go into culture marketing and i wanted to move to la and uh that's that's where i felt like i needed to be like somebody in the in the culture department who knew culture because a lot of the people at that time and maybe even fast forward were not i didn't feel like they had the background to you know they weren't they weren't qualified for that position sure <laughs> so i was like i could bring a lot to the table like i you know i've done events i've you know that i this is this is what i do right um so natural he, move for you. he uh he canceled on me like five times literally like <clears throat> rescheduled like hey something came up and it always kind of last minute i felt like i wasn't being taken seriously you know i was like man this is like 
this sucks even more. Like I'm miserable, but I can't even like talk about what I want to do or what my goals are. So I had like a brief conversation with nature about like what he was doing and like selected, I rejoined him and it was the party. And I was kind of like, yo man, I think like, I want to be a part of this. And he was like, dude, I think that would be like, we could use you, you know, like this would be like a great fit. Like all three of us, like we could really like stir some shit up. Dallas. And I I was like hyped up. I remember I was like at my old apartment and I was like on the phone, but I was also terrified because I was like, I've, I've never really DJed for bigger crowds or just like relied on that. Like I've never relied on DJing for a check. So I'm about to like hypothetically quit a job where I have benefits and insurance and just like on a whim, just be like, I'm going to DJ or whatever. But I also, you know, had to, you know, I, I did a lot of like soul searching and thinking and like, man, if I don't do this now, like I'll never do it. If I don't take this leap and like try this, at least I can try and see what happens. Then I won't do it. I'll never like chase that dream of like being a, being a DJ or like doing that for a living, doing something that I love and being creative or whatever. So I, dude, I went, finally met with the director of marketing. I went in, we talked and he was like, Hey, what's on your mind? Whatever we talk. And I tell him like <clears throat> that I'm leaving, that I'm, you know, that I'm gonna, I'm done putting in my two weeks or whatever. And he was like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Like, you know, what, what can we do to keep you here? And he's like going on about what a great company Red Bull is and how, Oh, you want to go into culture? You want to move? Like we can definitely like take the steps to make that happen. And I'm like, yeah, I did want to do that. And like, he's like going on, he was like, yeah, like, you know, Red Bull's such a great company. Like someone's going to write a book about us or they're working on it and you could be a part of that. And I looked at him and I was like, maybe someone will write a book about me someday. And he just stopped like even talking. He's like, I respect that so much. And I like incredible response. Yeah. I like, that was it. I dipped and like he, I stayed longer than I wanted to. I think I stayed a whole extra month for them to find somebody and me to help train them. But he became, he went on to become like a huge supporter of mine. Like after that, he really respected me and always would hit me up, like watching some of the the steps that I was taking and things that I was doing. It was like, man, I'm so proud of you. And like was happy to see that I made that choice, you know, right. even though like he would have liked me to stay on for the company. He was a, he was a big music <clears throat> buff as well. So that was just cool that, Man, I like it took a lot for me. I feel like it took a lot of balls to go in there and just be like, okay, it takes a lot I, of balls. I'm gonna anybody. like this is what I want to do, and I'm gonna stick to my guns, and then also leave knowing that like I don't know how I'm gonna get my next check. And so like when we were doing the first parties at Zoo Bar, they just took off, man. Like before you were there, there'd be a line around the block, yes. And I was thrown into DJing for a bunch of people at once, high energy. I didn't really. I knew how to mix, but I wasn't like really uh, experienced with like quick mixing or whatever. So like some of those Be More songs would be like two minutes long and I would throw one on and be terrified on like, what am I going to play after this? But also that kind of like added to the excitement. Everything was new. I knew I had to like get out of this record into another one that was going to keep people's attention. All the music was new. I was educating myself on that and then just like trying to read the crowd at the same time I'm doing all now it's like muscle memory, but right. then I was like, yo, it was super this intense is, on the job yeah, training. But that was what made that time 
in my life so exciting and i right. think like it was yeah it's formative can't re- recreate it yeah i was there man and it was really influential to me i think the party was one of the reasons i started cool out just because there was so much energy in the scene at that point like <clears throat> that little fire in dallas and i was new to dallas as well so. right but you guys were really important to showing me what was possible in dallas, dallas. dallas. Nature moved, right? Uh, Select moved away. Right. I mean, what happened, whatever happened, happened, but the party kind of went away, and then there you were. I remember this time period where those guys moved away and did their own thing, but you chose to stay here. Why did you choose to stay in Dallas? Why did you choose to pursue your, your craft here? Because you could have made any of those decisions. You could have hit the West Coast, right, easily and made that transition. And Why did you choose to stay in Dallas? So the party, we were together and did our thing from 2006 to 2009. And then, like you said, we we broke up, Nature moved back to Puerto Rico, Select moved to New York. Um, well, just to give a little bit of more history of that to people who don't know, when we started, we were just doing Zubar as a monthly. And Nature kind of had this plan, like, yo, let's just, like, run Texas. Like, let's just go expand and, like... Texas is hot and everyone knows it like let's make that known you know what I mean like yeah New York's desert thing or whatever but like the south has a lot of There's stuff popping and right. like we should like we should let let the world know and so we were doing Zubar once a month and then we ended up adding Mohawk in Austin um, okay. we added Mohawk as a monthly once a month and then we added Houston Boondocks once a month, and then we did Hands Up, which was at the Loft by Southside uh, on Lamar or upstairs once a month, and that was all ages. So it was like we had seventeen year olds in there, and we were booking people like Black Star, Rai Rai, like all these Be More and Electro groups and things like that. We'd have six hundred kids in there, but like we had a monthly every weekend. So one one weekend would be the like the one we started first, the party. Hands up, all ages, Austin, Houston, and we would just like keep it going. Crush so it. we built up like quite a following, and then a lot of two with the younger kids that the like the kids that were coming to Hands Up. A lot of those people still come to my parties, or they got old enough they were like going to bars and like, yo, you were the first. And Nature was a genius in that sense because he knew that if you gave kids who were cool that wanted something different a place to go, and they were like come out you would be their first memory of like going out yeah like exposed to that i remember i used to go see those guys and they would bring cool like up-and-coming acts or whatever and you were their intro to the dj world like going out and dancing going out and partying and then like they get older and they you know they always have those fond memories or whatever so to answer your question those guys both left and i felt like there was a void that needed to be filled and we had built this huge empire and this platform and i was like i'm not gonna like dip because like i have everything i need here you know what i mean i'm just gonna like rebrand things and do my own thing and i had a lot of you know a lot of relationships and like you know like a lot of things going on here that like i was like yo i don't want to really want to leave so it was more of like a 
it was yeah it was like a calculated decision you understood that you if you did go somewhere else you could pursue that but you knew that there was an opportunity here to to carry on what you had already started and i guess you'd be at the helm instead of it'd be you and two other guys well i feel like towards the end of the party we were bumping heads a little bit like in the beginning it was like let's all just play whatever we want and towards the end i feel like everyone kind of had more of a genre specific thing that they wanted to do at some of the parties so i felt like the fluidity of it was disrupted sure so it wasn't as like spontaneous like oh we're playing this kind of song or whatever whatever it'd be like maybe nature wanted to play a heavy tropical set select wanted to play like classic house and like wasn't really hip to like me playing as much like southern rap as i was or whatever so like there was a little bit of animosity there and like some definitely head bumping sure so for me when 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 I had my own, you know, playing field, like on my own, I knew I could do whatever I, I wanted. Like I can make my own parties how I want them to be. I can play whatever I want to do. I don't have to like appease anyone else or whatever. There's no disrespect there. I'm just saying like for sure. me, I'm like, this is a this is a new chapter. And like I, if some people came out for nature or select and don't want to go to my parties, fine like everyone has their guy you know it's like a right. sports team you're like sure. oh that's my guy or whatever i wear his jersey cool but i also feel like we all brought something to the table and a lot of people like really that did. you know what i mean they're like oh like i like it all like i like the whole collective but for me i knew that like i could do my own thing and it not be the party like it's not like i just wanted to like be like well i'm gonna call it this now and do the same thing we were doing i like added my own Sure. Flair and my own you grew style. Into your, you grew into your own style. Right, right. Yeah, like people grow up and they grow out. And I feel like that's what happened with the party. <laughs> but it's a natural progression with anything. I think people, they learn from their experience, right? And they learn from what they're doing. And then they just evolve. I know anyone involved with music, I feel like it's always a it's always an evolution. With myself, the same thing. I came up just kind of like you with the punk and house and hip hop. And it kind of evolved. So you went into your own thing. And I feel like there was a time where you were trying to figure it out, but then you figured it out and then you just started crushing it, which is great. Um, because I think people, you're a really important part in the Dallas music community and Thanks. you expose people to a lot of different stuff. And I think that's really important. It's not just about, it's always a party, but I think you expose heads that wouldn't necessarily listen to certain things to listen to certain things and show them that, hey, this is this is good. Like it's okay to, to listen to different styles of music. Um, and that's, I mean, the keep on dancing with Blake, right? Your satin sheets, mixtapes. I mean, any mix that you put out generally is going to introduce people to new stuff. Um, you've got a lot of things going on. Um, maybe let's talk about that for a little bit. What's next for you, man? Well, earlier I think when we were talking about, you know, how I learned how to DJ and you were like, Oh, you, you decided to go with hip hop and like really focus on that in the, in the DJ sense. Like I was always listening to other things, but I think recently that's why in the last few years I've put out so many house mixes and, you know, some disco mixes. I just did one that I dropped earlier this week, but disco um, naps. Yeah. Yeah. Go check it check out. Check it out. Disco <laughs> naps. It's on uh, your SoundCloud right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. SoundCloud on their SoundCloud. But, uh, I think, Super legit mix, by the way. Thank you. Appreciate Super, it, man. Yes. Thank you. Disco naps. Thanks. Tony Schwab um, approves. <laughs> man, that means a lot because that's like that's your uh, 
my wheelhouse, man. Is, and you man. killed it. You see, if you turn me if if you turn me on to some old school boogie funk stuff, I am a happy camper, and you did so. That's dope. Yes. Well, I guess being removed from that for so long, like it just felt so refreshing to start buying house and like dance records again. I was just like, a f- you know, maybe three years ago, I was just like heavily started like looking at new stuff that was coming out and just like always check in like Bandcamp and SoundCloud and just like diving into this wormhole and it was exciting for me again because that's what like got me into actual de- that's how I learned how to DJ so not to say that I was burnt out on everything else but like you a little burnt out, burnt out. I was a little burnt out so <laughs> it's that- okay to say that I feel like we all get to that point but that's what keeps us moving you well, know, that, you get burnt out. You got to keep pushing along, or else you just quit. But that's what creates balance. You know, you said yeah. earlier, like that I that you were like, you acknowledge that I'm a hard worker, and I appreciate that. In this in this game, it's hard to like do that and be consistent. And it is, man. Like when you mentioned the zine thing, I remember I was doing that really big from 2014 to maybe 2016. I was feeling burnt out on DJing at that point, and that putting my creative energy into something else as well refreshed DJing and made me take a step back and then like when I did DJ I was like yo this is fun again and so it's the same thing like keep on dancing with Blake we play all dance music mostly up-tempo stuff like whether it's you know disco house like indie dance whatever but like that balances me out records so doing a party like that is fun and then maybe the next party i do i'm playing hip-hop and r&b and it makes that fun again because like i'm not doing it as much i'm not doing a weekly where i'm doing that where every week you're like is it thursday again you're doing it you're doing it for you yeah like it's more monthly stuff pop-up stuff i think too also like doing things in different locations i've been doing a lot of stuff recently at this spot here in oak cliff soul house it's fun to have a new atmosphere a new place because that refreshes things and like i feel like when you're in the same room every week it can be great give someone people a place to go beauty bar was like an amazing thing for for me and like something that like i for a lot of people that was my baby that was like thursday nights and I learned a lot there as a DJ, and I tried a lot of things. A lot of people met there. But also, I think there's something to be said about switching it up because I feel like you can kind of fall victim to doing the same thing sometimes sure. over and over. And when you're in a new place, it just gives you a different feeling. You're like, oh, I'm going to play for this room. This room has a different feeling, so like my set is going to reflect that. It has different faces. Sure, and then so, I think new people come in or – Maybe the people that are used to seeing you come to a new spot and they'll be more accepting of you flexing a little bit more. Yeah, they're refreshed. They're like, yo, this is this is something new. I'm, I'm feeling it. Do more stuff here or whatever. So yeah, man, like I think now, um, I'm not saying like doing themed parties or whatever, but like just, I think it's like important for me to balance stuff out. If I want to go do like a house set or whatever, doing a party that, that gives me that outlet and then I'm like, 
you know, me and Leon might do something out of town and I already know what that's going to be like. It's just going to be, you know, party rocking, like heavily on the, uh, like 2000s R&B rap stuff. So like, um, it's fun. It makes that fun again to be able to kind of just like switch things up and do. How did you guys start doing that? I wanted to touch on that for a second. You and Leon, cause I know, spilling topo. I know he's, you know, Dallas, um, Dallas born, right? Fort Worth. Fort Worth, yeah. yeah. So you guys connected on that tip, but you guys just decided to start doing pop-ups and uh, clearly it's successful and crushing it. So, you know, what did you, what sparked that? Like originally I had heard his music through Gorilla vs. Bear. Shout out Chris. Um, was the first person to post a few songs on the SoundCloud. I think like when I listened to it, I had a few hundred plays, and I was like, "Yo, this dude's from Fort Worth, like where I'm from. And he's making music like this, yeah, crazy." I was like, giving those songs some burn, like just playing them at the house, like this is amazing. And then when I took a break from Beauty Bar for a year, went to the basement. I had heard a few times like, "Yo, Leon Bridges is here tonight, dancing, whatever." I was like, "Oh, that's cool." This is right around the time he started like really getting some, you know getting noticed sure. and like started started bubbling and then um that's a lot you know i'd heard that i was like that's cool and then one time he showed up at beauty bar and uh was dancing like all night he came up and asked me for young nation some dallas rap i was like yo that's dope i think i tweeted about it and then he was there like from that point on like week after week for, for he's a got nice connected stint yeah yeah man and then i i think i had was in LA a few years back. I went actually to the Grammys and I played a night at um, in Silver Lake. And he hit me up and was like, "Yo, I'm gonna. I saw your plane out here. I'm, we didn't really know each other that well, but sure. he hit me up like, I'm gonna change my flight and I'm gonna come to your thing on Monday." And I was like, "Yo, what? Cool. Like, this is crazy." <laughs> so he comes out. We have a great time there. Or whatever. The next night, I did satin sheets at It'll Do. He came out to that. And was just like, yo, this spot's crazy. Like, we got to chop it up. And I was like, okay, cool. Next night I was in Fort Worth. He came through, hung out. And then the next night was Thursday Beauty Bar. And he came out. And he was like, hey, what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, going to go to Fort Worth, actually, you know, see the fam. And he's like, oh, let's go grab some food. Went to this barbecue spot. He was like, hey, I wanted to talk to you about, like, on my birthday at that spot. You did satin sheets at It'll Do. So we planned his birthday party that year. Did that. And then um, <clears throat> did Belmont pool party. But I think we just started, we, we became cool. Um, I think we had a mutual respect for one another's craft. It was sure. cool because like, he was just like like coming out to dance because he loves to dance. I was a fan of his music. He and then everything dance. else, yeah, for <laughs> sure, always. <clears throat> everything else was kind of organic, man. Like, you know, as time went on, I don't know what the first pop-up was. Like, I think maybe he was just like, in town for a couple of days like yo i'm in town like we should pop do a pop-up like let's just do something random belmont i'm like yeah word cool we put it together in like four hours we like literally announced it like four hours before the party happened it was bonkers and then we just started like Crazy. here and there like he'd be out of town for a while come back like hey let's 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 run another one like let's Love do it. it and then as time went on like you know, we just kind of started pinpointing some bigger cities on the tours and like, hey, let's do one in Detroit or Chicago or L.A., New York, whatever. And it just kind of, yeah, man, it's cool because I feel 
like there's no other artist on his level that's really like doing their own parties like sure. a lot of them go and show up and sit in the like roped off area and have a bottle or whatever but no one's really out there interacting with everyone and sure. like getting down on the dance like floor that. getting on the mic and right. singing and hosting being a part of and the, everything being a part of yeah, the, like, not just hosting and being yeah. a face at the party he's like center of the party you guys <laughs> throw a good party it's like a house party yeah and it's like also kind of bringing a little taste of like what, how we get down in Texas, Texas to wherever else. Right. And I feel like there's so many Texas transplants. Like, so if we're whatever, we're in Puerto Rico, there's people out there, a bunch of people rolling, we're playing Dallas stuff. Yeah. And everyone else just joins in because they're I like, oh, the, what is, I don't know what this is, but like, I feel the energy and, and these guys are getting down. So it's cool to like, you know, kind of bring this like Southern, like Texas experience and like definitely have that wherever expose other people to yeah, it. wherever we like do a party is that you're still going with that yeah yeah we're kind of branding it now as a body rock so like yeah. instead of just being like an after party like sure we could do a body rock in whatever city or just like one off or it could be attached to a show or whatever just kind of yeah well, dope man shout out leon bridges yeah, um well then i guess we should start rapping but i just wanted to ask what influences you now like what are you into right now I know you're buying a lot of records, man. A lot of a lot of dance stuff, a lot of house and and like just re, just educating myself on like disco stuff that I've never heard before. Right. Like you, we were talking before the podcast. I was playing a few records, and you're like, "Yo, I love hearing new stuff, like new old stuff," and that's a great feeling. Sometimes you feel like, "Oh man, like how did I not know this? Like right. I played myself." But right. at the same time, I think that's a great feeling because you're like. How much more stuff How much more? in that realm or from that time period is there that I don't know about? And when you hear it, even though it's from the 70s or early 80s or whatever, it's new to you. And that's right. like what's so beautiful about it. Gold. And it's like it's like endless, uh, endless amount of music and knowledge. So, yeah, man, I've been buying like some older disco and boogie stuff, always like searching for for house stuff. And I think, like you said, like just listen to like oddball stuff or yeah, sure. jazz or whatever at at the crib. Like um, I mentioned, Bandcamp earlier. I feel like that's like a great place to find <clears throat> new artists. Yeah, to find new stuff and like get high quality files or buy the record directly from the person. Yeah, super into the uh, Byron the Aquarius too, man. Like okay. that dude from Detroit. Detroit. Always great sitting with you, just getting a chat with you. Uh, what do you got coming up, man? Uh, Sudi and I are dropping our second Tommy and Linda single here quick, pretty quick. So uh, finalizing the artwork for that. So look out for that as well. Cool. Hey, bet. Well, yeah, Will, you I love stuff. you. I love you, man. Likewise, You're one of man. my favorite people. Let's, we're going to, bah. Real. You hear that? Yeah, that's yeah, real. It's like a new skateboard. Pop, pop, pop. So this podcast featured tunes from uh, Dynasty, Beastie Boys, Salt and Peppa, Debbie Deb, Byron the Aquarius, Samande, Crystal Waters, Notorious B.I.G., Rodley, Jay Daniel, and you're currently listening to Beach Bums by Tommy and Linda. And there you have it, folks. Uh, real quick, I want to say thanks again to my guest, Will, DJ Sober, for taking the time out to sit and chat with me and share his story with us. Uh, I got to say thank you to the creative department behind the Schwadcast, Trishan Golot on creative direction and photography, 
Johnny Lucio uh, on logo design. And to you, the listeners, uh, I've received a lot of love and support for this project thus far. So I really look forward to uh, the months ahead. Uh, All my future guests uh, that have agreed to uh, sit with me and chat, um, uh, including next month's guest, none other than the Prince of Funky Town himself, Ronnie Hart. So uh, that will be a fun one. Uh, Until then, peace, love, and thanks again for joining me here on the Schwadcast. Schwadcast.